Welcome to Girls Just Want to Have Funds, the weekly podcast that deconstructs the intimidating world of finance. Hosted by Syra Rahman, VP of Finance at HM Bradley, and her partner in crime, Megan McShane, a manager at a Fortune 100 company, and supported by StockTwits. Girls Just Want to Have Funds will take on the important questions in personal finance that so many of us avoid, but also take on a glass of wine or two. Learn more, subscribe to the show, and join Syra and Megan on their no shame adventure to financial freedom at girlsjustwanna.com. So crypto is a big topic. Crypto is a big topic. Topical to me purchasing a home as well. None of my crypto funds can be utilized for a home purchase. <laughs> Not yet. Maybe your second house. Uh, just fair warning to everyone that's listening to these episodes. There is just a lot of unknowns surrounding this stuff. And if you want to get involved, I don't suggest using any money that you might need for anything outside of crypto. Because right now, it's all a game. Such a game. I still feel like it's a game. I feel a little bit smarter, but obviously no one ever feels that smart about, I think, any topic if they're being real. Like, fake it till you make it is kind of how I feel right now. (laughs) I mean, I think everything's a little bit of an experiment, but I also think the more you try it, the more confident people get. Like, I don't know. I am extremely overconfident when it comes to my investing. So there's that. Do you think it's because you've been doing it for so long? Like actively doing it. Is that what it takes to become an expert? You like have to actively do it. Yeah, maybe that's it. Like I think, what would I compare it to? It's like driving a car, right? You end up doing it so much that it's reflex to an extent. You see certain things, you know why you want to do what you're doing. And then it becomes like, you know that when you're turning left, you have to wait at the green light until all the cars have passed before you can turn left. You you know what I mean? You know all the rules already. So when you observe the situation, you pull up to the intersection, it's instinctual when you're going to press the gas and when you're going to pump the brakes. So everything that I do is like a ritual now. And I apply the same things that I did in every other market that I've ever invested in, in the crypto market. And I feel like that's what's kind of safe is probably the wrong word, but like that's what's kept me from being absolutely annihilated because I do a lot of weird stuff and like it's very easy for me to brush off the losses because I've had plenty of losses in my career and it's easy for me to it's easy for me to like experiment and I think that's the same case and that's what I would tell everyone to do that wants to get into crypto like it's one big experiment and you're only going to get comfortable if you start climbing into the rabbit hole as the crypto people say Do you think like now that you're getting more embedded into crypto yourself, having the background in finance and investing is helpful? Like because you're used to taking on risk, you can drive the car, you can go above the speed limit. Do you feel like it's an easier step having that background? Yeah, I mean, I make this comparison a lot and I hate it and I love it, but Crypto right now feels a whole lot like derivatives in 2008. Oh, God. A lot of this stuff. Well, yeah. like So at its core, a derivative is an exchange of one bet for another bet, right? So you could bet me money that it's going to rain tomorrow, and that would be considered a derivative, right? The same thing's going on in cryptocurrency. You are making a bet that the US dollar is going to essentially 
value Bitcoin higher tomorrow. You're, you're assuming that the value of Bitcoin is going to go up if you buy some Bitcoin, right? You're hoping that the value of that one Bitcoin increases against USD. It's the same thing. You're making a bet on the value of Bitcoin. You're making a bet that it's going to rain tomorrow. Those are both different types of derivatives. What you would could potentially argue that it's closer to like cross-currency transactions since it, they're technically called currencies. But, you know, we kind of talked about this, Caitlin. Crypto isn't really a currency. It's closer to an asset than it is a transactable dollar. So Okay, I have to tell you, remember, you know, when we met like eight, nine years ago now, whatever, you were like, I work in derivatives. And yeah. then I'd zone out when you explained it to me. Now <laughs> I actually get it. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing works with a marketer like a damn analogy. But thank you for that, because we finally did it. Okay, makes sense. Yay. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> thank you, crypto. Helping a sister out. How do I feel about it in general? I mean, I it kind of feels like the cool kids game right now. It still does to me. Like, I want to be a part of it because I want to be cool, you know, in general. But I also don't want to miss out. Like, what if I make a lot of money? And how do I get into it the right way? And I know we talked to our three lovely ladies, Beck, Lee, and Caitlin, but it helped me in little instances, but I still, I think I texted you the other day. I was like, I think I bought some crypto. You're like, Godspeed. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true. It's a risk, but I'm willing to take on more risk now. I don't know. What advice would you give people? Like after listening to those three episodes, how should they get into crypto if they want to? Yeah. So I think, I think it's about learning to crawl before you learn to walk, before you learn to run, right? So I would say if you're used to like traditional bank stuff and you want it to feel like traditional bank stuff, some apps act more like you're buying stuff at a bank than others. So for example, I know Coinbase is like the tried and true. They've been around for a long time. Everyone's heard of that name. They were the OG and like crypto purchases for all. They also have an educational piece to it. So, you know, I, I'm plugging Coinbase, but I'm not really plugging Coinbase. None of this, by the way, is a recommendation to either buy crypto or for a platform that I'd recommend. It's just me explaining to you my experience in the UX and the UI and what I think is the easiest place to go. So Coinbase is kind of like the OG. One that I have heard from my friends that are trying to shift more into crypto that makes it easier for them is BlockFi. Hmm. BlockFi also does things very similarly to a bank. So when you move funds in, the way that they do ACH, the way that they withdraw, the interface that you use, BlockFi has a very similar feel to, you know, I'm buying assets into my bank account. You raised your hand. Do we have a question? Yes, I, I raised my hand. ACH. Okay. ACH is when you transfer funds. So like back in the day when I was dating all those banks and I still am dating all three, when I was transferring money, I was like, where's my money? Where's my money, Sai? You're like, oh, it's an it's transferring. It's an ACH transfer. So it's like a wire transfer. How is it different in crypto? So is it? ACH is where the money's missing and you can't find it. Remember, you panicked. Wire is instantaneous. So you should see it. The funds appear immediately uh, as long as the bank is open. Okay. So two different things. Two Got different it. things. Got it. They do have both in crypto. So typically, 
on average with the platforms that I've been utilizing, when you purchase your crypto, it's twofold. So because of fraud and worries about people pushing funds they don't necessarily have, most crypto platforms will actually require that you have to put your money into the crypto platform and have it there for a certain number of days before you can move it somewhere else. So if you're trying to like do something fancy, like buy an NFT, which we may or may not have TikTok videos up on of how to do on our TikTok in the near future, if you guys aren't following yet. But if you're trying to do something fancy, like buy an NFT, that actually has to go through another additional platform. So you have to have what's called an on-ramp. And the on-ramp is typically a Binance, BlockFi, Coinbase, FTX, like whatever platform you're utilizing to purchase the crypto, you first have to push your US dollars to the crypto platform, right? Okay, so I'm I'm going to ACH my bank account and move, you know, $5,000 from my, you know, bank A to crypto platform. Do you lose money typically? Like, do those companies take a percentage? So if I'm transferring $5,000 or I'm purchasing crypto through one of those platforms, do they take a percentage of that $5,000? So they won't when you import the funds, but they will take a percentage of what they call either a transaction fee, trading fee. They'll take a percentage when you actually buy the crypto. So let's say I move $5,000 into BlockFi. They will have a transaction fee when I exchange the 5,000 USD for Bitcoin or Ethereum or like whatever cryptocurrency I decide to purchase. That's how they make money is on transaction fees. Mm -hmm. And that's typical. Again, this is why I'm going back to comparing in derivatives. That's typical of any derivative. That's also typical of any stock. They charge something like I know that everybody's like, oh, there's no trading fees on stocks. I guarantee you they are making money in that transaction. They're just not listing the charge blatantly per trade, there's a back end transaction fee that's going on. And they've formulated how to make it such that they don't have to call it a trading fee to you. But yeah, so they'll, they'll take a transaction fee when you purchase it. So instead of getting $5,000 of Bitcoin, I might get $4,990 of Bitcoin, at which point it then sits in your BlockFi or whatever for the required time frame. So let's say, I think on BlockFi, it's like 10 days you then can move it to a platform where you can then use it to do other things. So I can then move, if I bought Ethereum, into a quote-unquote Ethereum wallet where I can then do stuff like buy NFTs, jump into DeFi, go into a DAO. So it just depends on what we want to do and how we want to do it. Can you keep your crypto, your $5,000 of crypto, on the platform you bought it in? Or do you have to yeah. transfer it to a wallet? So you don't have to transfer it to a wallet. I have two thoughts there. So depending on which platform you use, you're at risk of that platform potentially collapsing if something bad were to happen, right? Or so like do some research. And I mean, that's probably the main thing. So there's, remember how we were talking about wallets with back? So there are some crypto on ramps, so like BlockFi, Gemini, Coinbase, where you don't actually own the wallet. So if something happens to your crypto, they can usually at least attempt to help you recover it. But in this scenario, 
that they own your crypto. Technically, they do. They have every opportunity to do what a bank does, which is rehypothecate. So they can turn around and lend out your crypto to someone else or use your crypto for lending purposes, essentially. And if they fail, your crypto could disappear. All right. I brought this up last time. You probably still haven't seen the movie. Have you seen the movie A Wonderful Life yet? Don't kill me. Don't kill me. It's fine. It's with Jimmy Stewart. It's a traditionally a Christmas movie. Fun fact, when it came out, it bombed. And now it's one of like the highly watched movies. Anyway, they own a bank. That's kind of the premise. And he takes over for his dad when his dad dies. And they're hitting the depression. It's like 1920. Don't quote me on that. When was the depression? 1920-ish. <laughs> Don't spit up. Anyway... There was a panic in 1919, and then the Great Depression started in 1929. 29, thank you. So everyone rushes to the bank because they want to get their money out. And he's like, I don't have your money. And he starts explaining to them, they're like, what do you mean you don't have my money? He goes, well, your money, Mrs. Smith, went to Mr. Smith's home when he bought it. And his home money went to the grocery store to Mr. Roberto and blah, blah, blah. And he was explaining all of that. So when you say re... What's the word? Rehypothecate. That's exactly what it is. Okay. That makes sense. I didn't know that word. That's a good one. Okay. I'm going to use that. Rehypothecate. And every single bank does that already, right? They take, when you go in and you deposit your money, they're using those funds to turn around and lend a portion of that Mm. out into the economy. But in cryptocurrency, when you do that, you're doing that a little bit in a riskier manner, right? Because none of those funds are backed by the government. Remember how Ah. we talked about up to 250K? Decentralized. And I mean, decentralized sort of decentralized insofar as a lot of these companies are startup companies that are owned by VCs. But the second piece is you're using extremely volatile funds that, again, I compare them in terms of like risk class to like stocks. Like if people start to lose their jobs, lose a bunch of money, what's the first place they're going to pull their money out from? It's going to be crypto. It's not going to be like it's going to be crypto, the stock market. It's always the riskiest asset class that they start pulling mm-hmm. back from, right? Mm-hmm. Because the last place that they can go is their house and their mm-hmm. savings account, which are the safest. Mm-hmm. So it's a super volatile and risky, risky place to go. But if you're risk on, which I recommend everyone should always be a little bit risk on, it's also the highest yielding. I think that's really good to keep in mind. I didn't take that away from some of the combos we've had either offline or online aka the podcast, that, you know, those companies could collapse. But it's the same way that a bank could collapse, so to speak. But it's a little bit more risky. That's just something it's to a lot take more into risky. Consi- yeah. Something to take into consideration. You're like, like you've told me in the past, like, hey Megan, if you put money into the stock market, know and be okay that you might lose it. Or a hundred percent pretend like you will. And you need yeah. to still be okay. Pretend like you will. It's going into this thing. You don't know if you're ever going to see it again. Right. It's disappearing after it. And the thing for me that strikes me a little bit about people being like, oh, the banks aren't safe anymore. They do whatever they want. Well, in the last financial crisis, they all got saved by the government. Oh, yeah. You know, they facilitated acquisitions. They facilitated the saving of Wells Fargo and Merrill Lynch, which is now part of Bank of America. Like all of these things transpired to save the banking industry. The crypto industry is not nearly as large in terms of primary transactions, but it is rapidly growing in terms of, I'm going to take crypto from Billy. I'm going to 
let Sally utilize some of it here. I'm going to let Sally to create a collateralized loan offer Bitcoin. Like that secondary market is wild and extremely high yielding, which is why people are doing it, but super risky. So yeah, just something to think about in the background. So when you're investing in it, it's money that can go to zero and that you're willing to let disappear, but you're willing to get some yield off of in the near term. It's kind of ironic to me from a very layman perspective is crypto was like sought after as like decentralized, something of its own. But as we're talking about it and as I'm learning more, I'm like, they're starting to pattern themselves off the things they're trying not to be, which was like big banks. Like they're taking some of the structure, it sounds like, and putting it behind, you know, some of these platforms because it works. Am I wrong in thinking that? Yeah. What I think is the most interesting about the things that I read about crypto is that we've taken the history of traditional finance and we've recreated it and kind of relabeled it as Web3. So crypto is a rebrand of like the traditional dollar. I'm just going to say that and just let it lie. Okay. So anyway, back to kind of the stepping stones, because this is super helpful for me. And I imagine this could be super helpful for people listening to this. So you want to go and buy $5,000 worth of crypto of your choice. I set up a, let's just use Coinbase as an example. I set up a Coinbase account. I transfer my funds from my HM Bradley savings account, $5,000 into Coinbase. I then just kind of like let it lie for a little bit. But then, I don't know, our Basil or Basel or however you say it pops up and I'm like, ooh, that's cute. I can't really like own it, but it's like digital and I like it. And I find an NFT I want to purchase. What do I do? So depending on the blockchain that the NFT is on, you're going to purchase cryptocurrency in that blockchain. So the most popular place for NFTs is Ethereum. Mm. So you'd purchase some Ethereum and then make sure that you move the Ethereum into a wallet that will let you purchase NFTs. So it has to be something that can connect to whatever platform the NFT is on that you want to buy, right? So it'd be kind of like a currency exchange in like layman's terms. Like I want to buy a house in France, but I only have USD dollars. Yeah. So you have to take your, you have to take Bitcoin. Yeah. So let's say you can transact in Bitcoin. So if, if it's in Bitcoin, then yeah, but I haven't heard of NFTs in Bitcoin. So you have to get the correct cryptocurrency. So the most popular one is ETH. So basically you'd have to buy the ETH somewhere. You would then move the ETH from one wallet to a wallet that can plug in to whatever platform is selling your NFT or wherever you can access it. And then you would bid on the NFT in hopes that the seller of the NFT will sell it to you for whatever price you can afford or want to pay for. Two questions. One, if I had $5,000 worth of Bitcoin, can I use Bitcoin to buy another, to buy ETH? Yeah. That's also, think about it. That's also a form of a derivative. You're exchanging one asset for another asset. Oh, God. The matrix we go. Okay. And then when I use my now ETH to buy my beautiful new NFT, I put it into a wallet, which is a different company, like MetaMask. 
Is MetaMask like a... MetaMask is the wallet for Ethereum. Okay. And for like other L2s as well. So you, you can basically change it into a bunch of different crypto asset holdings that are based off of ETH. So now I have a Coinbase account and a MetaMask account. And then I'm going to use my MetaMask account to bid on my NFT. Mm-hmm. And then when I get the NFT, where does it go? Into your MetaMask wallet. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. So MetaMask, is it just gives you the ability to see all of the contracts that you have on the blockchain, on that blockchain. Contracts being like assets, non-fungible assets? Yeah. So it'll show you your NFTs. It'll show you your crypto assets. It'll show you all of the things. So like, I think my MetaMask right now has like four or five different things in it. Are those public? Can I go look at them? I have a public wallet address. Yes. (laughs) Is it a bunch of racehorses? Did you ever get one of those? (laughs) You leave my racehorses out of this. You know, I didn't get it. I will tell you though, I was looking at our, is it Art Basil or Basil? I think it's Art Basel. All right, that one. I was looking at some of like their galleries when it was going on, and there were some things I was like, that's really pretty. But part of me is like, I want a big like digital monitor so I can look at it. You know, I don't want it just like in my, in here. Okay, do you remember when we were at Bitcoin 2021 and all of you putzes told me not to buy any NFTs? Yeah, I was like, these are all ugly. I'm just going to say Snoopy. And if Scott listens to this, he's going to laugh. And I know it's not an NFT, but we're just going to leave that there. You know, I sent him the last episode. He still brings up Snoopy. He told everyone about Snoopy at Royal and he told everyone about my ape problem. So I'm doing, I look great there. But NFTs, Bitcoin 2021, we told you not to buy them. Yeah. And now NFTs are like cool. I just, I would just like to point out that sometimes I know what's cool before it's cool. No, no, they were cool. I was like, yeah, this is cool, but all of these are ugly. I was like, don't get them. They're not pretty. (laughs) That was my POV. I was like, spend your money however you want. You know better than me. (laughs) It's just like, "Eh." mom, (laughs) mom, literally. Oh, God. All right. Well, interesting. Okay. I think this is like a good step-by-step process. I think we should like do it live and post it somewhere, like a TikTok or something. Yeah, I'll do an Instagram live of this and a TikTok. I'm totally fine with that. So to everyone listening, I think in the next week, Megan and I are going to link up and we will step through this live, how we would do it. And Megan, I'll have you step through it since I know what I'm doing. And I think it'll be more fun to see like what questions come up when you do it. Mm, okay. I'm game. Per use. Okay. All right. So the pieces that you will have to do in advance include you loading up some cash into a crypto platform and having it sitting there. Otherwise, you won't be able to buy an NFT. Okay. But to everyone listening, we're going to do a live play-by-play of how to actually make an NFT purchase. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I got to find some NFTs I actually like that aren't ugly. So I guess I'll be thumbing through OpenSea. Yeah, thumb through OpenSea, but also take a look at the prices and make sure that whatever you're loading in is approximately the price of the NFT. Last question I have. Would you <laughs> would you recommend buying crypto on Robinhood? Why do we always have to talk about Robinhood? Because it's polarizing and I think it's funny. 
least you're honest. Yeah. I I've made my opinions on Robinhood pretty clear. But I you can like. buy crypto on Robinhood. You can purchase crypto on Robinhood. I think Robinhood is one of those places where you don't own your wallet though. But you don't own it anywhere. Like Coinbase, they like you said. Right. They could rehypothecate. Yes. Yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> I think the big thing for me is you should take a look at that fine print and figure out if you're comfortable with the fees that you're being charged. Because that's the biggest thing to me okay. with crypto. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. I, well. Should we wrap it up? We should wrap it up. Mm. Totes my goats. Okay, Meg. I want to hear the two most important things you learned today from us talking about crypto. And I don't want one and I don't want three. I want two. I'm in a two for a mood. Oh, God. Two most important things. Okay. The first one, I understand what derivatives are. (laughs) It's nothing to do with crypto, but I think it's funny. It's only taken me nine years. That's literally not the point of this episode. No, I know, but I just like, I want to have that one. So that's like point zero. Let me just like have that. Okay, you said two, so that's zero. One is, you know, you kind of broke down the barrier of entry for me a little bit. And I think that's super important for people. And having the analogy of it based on kind of the banking structure helps lessen my anxiety about it. Being able to just be like, yeah, I want to purchase this. It can live here. I know it's a risk, but I'm okay with that because I want X, Y, and Z. Or I want to see where it goes and I want to play in it and I have money to play with. I feel confident Mm -hmm. with that. I'm like willing to do that today. Another one is, which I think is just top of mind always and needs to be, and I need to remind myself is like, there's different fees on different platforms. Not everyone is like exactly the same. So before you sign up, before you pay for it, make sure you understand what are the transaction fees. Are they different on Coinbase versus FTX versus Robinhood? Like, who do you want to get in bed with? This is like a who are we dating again? And how much are you willing to give up? That's two. And then three with the derivatives. <laughs> I'm proud of you for coming up with 2.5. Thank you. No, it's super helpful. I think this will be helpful for a lot of people. And I'm excited to buy an NFT. I'm going to go look on OpenSea today. Okay, take go take a peek uh, okay. to everyone listening. We'll have some specials coming up in the next week. So stay tuned. And shameless plug, we are looking for more podcast reviews. So go like us, go smash that five star button. Let us know what else you want to hear about too. Because if you haven't pinged us on Twitter or Instagram or YouTube, We want to know what else we should be talking about as we start to prepare for our next saison. So right on. Should we wrap it up, Meg? We love you. Love you. Love you too. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Head on over to girlsjustwanna.com where you can subscribe to the show, follow Megan and I on social, or even text us your important financial questions. And remember, there's no shame in asking anything. We'll see you next time on Girls Just Want to Have Funds.